Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Brian Kilmeade. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm David Asman, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. I'm John Saucier. How's this for a contrast? Yesterday was Russian President Vladimir Putin speaking out to his nation. And today, a rebuttal from American President Joe Biden. You could see this going on for a while, and then suddenly there's something, there's a breakthrough, or things devolve and then get better. You're, you're never past the point of no return, necessarily. We don't know. This might be it. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. A lot has happened in the last couple of days in Eastern Europe, with Russia declaring a pair of breakaway Ukrainian regions is now independent, sending Russian troops into these areas. I consider it necessary to take a long overdue decision to immediately recognize the independence and sovereignty of Donetsk People's Republic and Luhansk People's Republic. And now reaction from the West. President Biden imposing financial sanctions against Russia. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare new so-called countries on territory that belong to his neighbors? This is a flagrant violation of international law and demands a firm response from the international community. But it seems this conflict is only heating up even more. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Well, it's just not Republicans saying this. It's some Democrats. You know, there was an effort by Democrats and Republicans, you know, weeks ago to hit Vladimir Putin where it hurts. We're speaking today with Fox News' Chad Pergram, covers Capitol Hill for us, but... And I remember uh, Bob Menendez, the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, saying that they were on the one yard line with that bill. And then a couple weeks went by, a couple more weeks went by. And I asked Chuck Schumer, uh, the majority leader, this was about two weeks ago. I said, what happens if you haven't passed that sanctions package? And he invades and he said, well, hopefully we can get an agreement here. But uh, the idea for the sanctions package is that it would be a deterrent. Well, One could argue that because Congress dithered or didn't get their act together or faced pressure, frankly, from the Biden administration not to act. You had people like Rob Portman, the Republican from Ohio, who was a big supporter of this package and others saying, let us, meaning Congress, be the bad guy. Now, there was a little bit of diplomatic interplay here. There was some concern that the Germans uh, were worried that the sanctions would you know, cause a problem for them with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. They might get cut off from energy, and that might affect the rest of Western Europe, frankly. Uh, that was an issue. The other issue was if you, if you, you know, kind of you know, you know, shot your pellets too early here, what does that do to Vladimir Putin? Because it, it wasn't like that was necessarily going to get him to back down. And I think that there is a, a school of thought now in Washington that even had they done that, 
that might not have happened. And, and maybe maybe from a political standpoint, it would have been better for President Biden to let Congress pass something and then it not work and say, well, you know, you guys did this and didn't work. You know, it's not my fault. But that's not how things played out. So, you know, we'll see if this impedes things any further. Uh, but there was a lot of concern about Congress and the United States generally being too aggressive on this front. And then you have some, you know, slap back where there's an aggressive uh, cyber attack on the United States or, or something of that nature. Uh, that was kind of the danger. But uh, the bottom line is the deterrent that was supposed to come from Capitol Hill never happened. Yeah, and this is actually a big factor, the optics of this whole thing. And I like that juxtaposition between Congress and the president. Who's the bad guy? Who's, who's the good guy? Especially when you look at this in 2020, vision and hindsight now it's like all right well putin has made his move and we're now putting these sanctions in but as far as the on the american political landscape who are the winners and who are the losers here or are we all losers at this point especially so in this midterm election year the big loser frankly is the west and the west is a loser and this is kind of a geopolitical discussion mm -hmm. here frankly john yeah is that the united states and the west trumpeted the fact in the late 80s when the Berlin Wall fell and in the 1990s, 1991, when the Soviet Union dissolved, that they had won the Cold War. Think about the amount of blood and treasure that the United States and the West put into this and also fighting proxy wars in Central America and in Asia. You know, this was all framed around the, you know, the Cold War counting medals at the Olympics, the space race. That was the essence of the Cold War. Now, so they said, well, we won the Cold War. And the United States, frankly, on this issue, kind of went to sleep for about 30 years. You know, we talked about things like the peace dividend, the idea that we could draw down military spending and spend instead on education and health care. Well, that never really happened in the United States. Uh, the idea that we won the Cold War, you know, the Berlin Wall fell without ever firing a shot. We won it with Madonna and Coke. You know, capitalism prevailed. Uh, I remember an article was in the late 80s of opening the first McDonald's in Moscow, this free market system. All of that has fallen by the wayside. And, and you'll hear from Vladimir Putin some suggestions that he wants to reconstitute the Soviet Union. Maybe we're back again in the USSR, as the Beatles might say. But the idea that all of that was squandered for 30 years, and now he's moving back into Ukraine, probably doesn't really need the Baltics, frankly, might not need, might not care about a place like Azerbaijan, but Ukraine, you know, Joseph Stalin would say that the Soviet Union, would Russia, really, he would say that it could not make it without Ukraine, because Ukraine was the breadbasket of Europe. And these same battles that were fought you know, when they formed the collectives in the 1930s in the Soviet Union that were fought 90 years ago or, or, or more, these are playing out today. And that's the problem. The West, maybe the, the great untold story in this entire enterprise is that the West finally kind of lost the Cold War after this 30-year interregnum. That is the untold story of this invasion. Yeah, and when you think about the American consciousness about the Cold War, too, it's not something we think about in our everyday lives. I mean, I was a little kid when the Berlin Wall came down, and for most of my life, I've been concerned about Russia. I haven't worried about any sort of Cold War or anything like that. And now here we are, like you said, 30 years later, maybe having missed an opportunity. But did we really just get complacent about this? 
Uh, to some degree, yes. I mean, everybody thought, you know, in the early 1990s, they were electing, having elections in the former Soviet republics. And then after a while, I thought th- this was rather interesting, you know, especially in some of the places in, in the Baltics and some other other uh, n- new nations as well, is they went and reelected the communists. <laughs> you know, I mean, these right. were elections, but that's who they elected. Now, that's OK, so long as that they were getting things done. But, you, you know, you had this transitional figure, Boris Yeltsin, who was a small-D Democrat between Gorbachev and Putin. And that's it. That's it. Uh, Yeltsin was willing to open things up more. Uh, he was willing to kind of let Ukraine go. You know, there, that was a big deal that, that kind of made Mikhail Gorbachev in, in early December of 1991 realize that, you know, the Soviet Union was going to dissolve and he was going to have to dissolve it. He was going to be the last general secretary of the Soviet Union, frankly. And and the U.S. kind of rested on its laurels at that point, said we're going to continue with investment and everything else. I mean, here here's a great geopolitical problem. Ukraine, not part of NATO, but to get into the club, get out of the Soviet Union, become its own nation, said we will give up the world's third largest nuclear arsenal. They did that. And then what happens? They get rolled through here. If they were still a nuclear power as an independent country in the post-Soviet era, what we're talking about right now would not be going on. And what is the message that is sent to Iran and other countries who say, well, why would we want to give up nuclear weapons now? We're really going to buckle down. North Korea, add them into that mix as well. Absolutely. Great point. You're listening to Fox's Chad Program as we take a broader look at this Russia-Ukrainian situation. We'll have more on the other side of this. Chad, your expertise runs pretty deep in this subject as far as the the Cold War and the things that have happened after it. And obviously, we have a lot of stuff happening right now. This question has been on my mind really throughout this entire conflict. Are we at the point of no return? Because right now, it almost seems like bloodshed is inevitable in this situation. Not necessarily, uh, because, you know, you could see kind of a a slow bleed, uh, perhaps literally or or otherwise in Mm -hmm. this case. Remember that Vladimir Putin sent in troops, uh, took over, you know, Crimea, uh, you know, part of Ukraine some years ago after the Sochi Olympics in 2014, moved into Georgia in 2008. Some of these things are done very incrementally. You don't know. And you could see where, you know, we haven't really hit a tipping point yet. I was thinking back to the Cuban Missile Crisis in the early 60s. You know, there's a great book and movie, The Missiles of October, and it seemed like every single day there was a new thing. The, you know, the world was on the verge of, of nuclear war. Obviously, that didn't happen. But there was this, you know, f- until they finally got to the brink and things got dialed back down between, you know, President Kennedy and Nikita Khrushchev. Now, we're not quite to that point yet, but you could see this going on for a while, and then suddenly there's something, there's a breakthrough, or things devolve and then get better. You're, you're never past the point of no return, necessarily. We don't know. This might be it. Or maybe there's some sort of, you know, cyber repercussions. Uh, the one thing that some members on Capitol Hill have asked questions about, you know, the president, Mitch McConnell, the Senate uh, Minority Leader in Kentucky, others have said, you know, there will be no American troops in Ukraine. Well, what happens if there is a major cyber attack on NATO members in Western Europe? What if there is some sort of a military accident or, you know, something, there's a shooting or something that goes south and and the U.S. troops have to respond because they're in the region? This is how you get drawn into these things. And this is where you talk to people like Barbara Lee, the Democratic congresswoman from California. She was the only House member 
who voted against the resolution uh, authorizing the war in Afghanistan and the war on terror after 9-11 in 2001. And she said, this is why we vote no, because we stumble into these big things and then we keep the green light on, which they have with that resolution and justified it for things all over the country, uh, all over the world, frankly. You look in the Constitution, what are the war powers? Well, the president is the commander in chief, but it's Congress that has the right to, quote, declare war or authorize any sort of military action abroad. Well, what are those troops doing there right now? And this is that slippery slope. Uh, we are in a very dangerous period. Is this the missiles of October, as I said, uh, in the 60s? No, not quite, but it's uh, it's pretty close. Yeah, and it's kind of a live history lesson for a whole generation of Americans and also for Ukrainians who are currently are under the threat, a real threat, of an invasion of their country by the Russians. Fox's Chad Pergamon, Capitol Hill. Chad, we really appreciate your reporting. Uh, keep up the good work, and thanks for joining us on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.